Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And this time we will be talking about doing great things and epic things in the world, about why you have to have magic with everything like spam, and about a new publication, which is what we will start with. And its own genre. Always in touch with the latest fashion and releases in the small world we uh, look at. Uh, we're going to take a look at a new publication, which is GURPS Steampunk, which doesn't sound new because there was a book for the same title, third edition. And what we have here is what exactly? Well, it's, it's GURPS Steampunk 1, Settings and Style. All right, go on. Which doesn't replace the old GURPS Steampunk. They're quite clear about that. Yeah. You can get the old Gub Steampunk as PDF. Uh, but it is pretty clear that this is intended to be the first of a series. Yeah. And what it talks about is, well, settings and style. What, what makes a setting steampunk? What steampunk settings are possible? It talks about style a lot. It seems to give the impression that modern steampunk, the... Well, the people who set up stalls at conventions, the people who I bought that silly purple boulder from, <laughs> um, are, uh, are very much in, interested in cosplay and style and um, all the frippery and frimfram that comes from the, uh, from the idea of Victorian super science. Well, it's, it's an unusual fandom. Um, m- most costumers who are part of an established, what you might call, costume fandom, mm. are doing, okay, I, I will try to replicate the costume of this TV character, this anime character, or, or in this person out of the book. Yeah. Um, but steampunk doesn't have a canonical book or TV series or whatever. Well, it has there, a few... It has there, there, are, there are lots of books that are, but there, there, is, there are no books that you should have read if you want to be taken seriously. You, you can set up and glue, glue some gears on it and call it steampunk. As, as the song has it. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll, I'll link to the song. Yeah, okay. um, and you, you don't have to have read anything or watched anything, as, as long as you get the general feel of it. Yeah, it is very loose and very and very fashionable um, at the moment. I've seen there are games, games which we have played, board games we have played, which use steampunk as an excuse to uh, <laughs> to put everything together. Yeah, this, this is not, of course, the first steampunk role-playing game. There, there, there have been quite a few, mm-hmm. um, either, either as supplements. And the ones I was look, looking at particularly are uh, Victoriana, Yeah, the first edition of which had some problems, but, but they fixed it up quite a bit since, which, which is steampunk and magic. Um, and there's wars, and, and, and yes. Castle uh, Falkenstein, similarly. Castle Falkenstein I find more forgivable... Um, I had problems with the game system. Um, stylistically, it works better than Victoria, Victoriana. Did. The Victoriana reminds me of Shadowrun, and not in a good <laughs> way. And uh, there's, there's also Airship Pirates, which is uh, a licensed tie-in to the Abney Park songs. Mm. Uh, that's using Fate. Uh, I, we should mention, as a, as a canonical work, which has had a vaporware role-playing game attached to it, 
since forever, it seems like, Girl Genius, mm. which um, I'm not sure if anything is ever going to happen with that. Last I heard it was being completely rewritten by the assistant Gertz line editor, uh, who has plenty of other things on his plate. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure Gertz is right, right for... Uh, Fate would seem to be much more in the mil- in the in in the what what's the word I'm looking for idiom in idiom. When you consider how much has happened in the comic since since this was first announced as the manuscript's been turned in, it's coming out real soon now. Yeah, quite. Which is it was it was early in the days of Gert's fourth, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Oh five oh six something like that. Anyway, ten, ten years or so late, later, still nothing. The comic right. has changed a lot, is, is my point. It's, well, it's, quite. The, yeah. the, 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 uh, Monday, Monday Wednesday, Wednesday and Friday is a, lot, is a lot of material to be churned out. However, getting back to this, what is uh, Phil Masters, uh, the blessed Phil Masters, trying to do with this uh, release? Well, as, as I see it, there are basically two, two components to this, the settings and the style. And the, the settings is basically a literature review. It's starting with the actual um, Victorian era yeah. work, and then, then going on to uh, basically it fade, the idea fades a bit during the pulps, though, though you can see echoes of it, and then it comes back a bit when um, Blaylock and Powers and so on. Yeah, uh, there have been, been several stages of reimagining the so, original Victorian material. So in each case he's saying, well, if, if you want to base it primarily on the stuff written at about this point, yeah. these are the major themes there's this some, is the sort of game you're going to have. Yeah. There's... I must say, this is not... Whilst the Victorian period and the fiction of it appeals to me, the modern reinterpretations of that period are less so, I must say. Perhaps primarily due to the fact that... This must be your bad influence, Roger. <laughs> uh, my... Uh, my suspension of disbelief of the of the uh, Victorian hypertech gets a, gets a little um, gets a little strained. Well, this, this is one of the places where it fragments. I mean, what, one of the things that people like in, the, in these things are airships. Yeah, Fair enough. true. Airships, and airships, airships are good. Yeah. Airships are great. Airships are also terribly expensive, and they they can make better use of. Uh, low heat capacity fuel, you know, your, your coal rather than your oil or petrol. Yeah. Um, I remember you, the, you, pa- the powdered coal in Michael Moorcock's Warlord of the Air. Power, powdered coal fuel. In, I, I thought that was wonderful when I read it first of all. Um, he pinched that from Horton, I think. They, they were working on, on a powdered coal uh, ramjet. Really? Uh, n- n- nasty, cheap brown coal because that was all they had at that point in the war. Wow. Uh, anyway, the the thing is that once you get the tech developing, mm. airships are going to become obsolete unless you have some particular reason to keep them. They they need a larger crew of trained men than an aircraft that carries the same amount of cargo because you need all those gas bag riggers. Yeah, uh, they are going to be slower and more vulnerable. Well, any any aircraft is vulnerable if it can be found. Yeah, and yet yeah, somewhat easier to find. They they have their niches certainly, but um, the the more you push the tech forward, the more you risk pushing it out of the airship age and into the fixed wing age. My pro- my other major problem is with um, is with the steam uh, steampunk computers. With the the 
I was I was willing the 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 difference engine I was willing to put up with as a as a metaphor and as um as a one off but I find I find the whole idea of 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 mechanical computers as a reliable technology look my 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 nice up to date computer is malfunctioning uh, ju- just now and probably needs a new video card so how am I going to believe that something built with cogs and gears and brass is going to uh, be robust enough to do uh, do any damage or do any good. Well, mechanical computers can be robust enough. Um, I, I call to your attention the Admiralty Plotting Table, um, which I'll try to find a photo of, which is okay. basically a gun-laying computer for warships Yeah, that is entirely mechanical. Uh, that, that is made of steel, mostly, not brass. Okay. Uh, it's also big and heavy, and, and you stick it in the bottom of a battleship because you've already got those great big turrets up the top. You don't want something else heavy overbalancing it. That heavy. Right. Uh, e- even the one on HMS Belfast is as large as this, this dining table here. That dining table there. Maybe we should include a picture of the dining table. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not a trivial exercise, and that is a single-purpose computer. Yeah. That, that is not something you can reprogram w- w- without putting in new cogs and things. Uh, well, yeah, and, and they're talking about uh, computers that... Uh, uh, that can usefully monitor a population, or at least they were in the difference engine, which is what I say strained my sense of disbelief. Yeah, it, it is not theoretically completely impossible, but it gets to the point of is is there enough actual iron ore in the United Kingdom to to build it? Is, <laughs> is there enough space to put it on without it sinking and things like that? Yeah. All right. Leaving aside my difficulties, this is well. One... The, the, this is one of the axes that I think is worth considering. Okay. Go uh, on. Which, which which is. Do do you take it? Do you take the tech as detailed, which is the traditional GURPS approach, certainly, and it's yeah. one that I tend to favour. Um, yeah. Do, do you say, okay, right, we we've got engines which are a bit better. Mm. What can we do with them? Or we've got this metal which is a bit stronger per weight. What can we do with that? Well, Phil is 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 it going going so far as to start? The, this, this is not what this particular book okay. is about. Um, it, it's a thing to consider when building a steampunk campaign Go more on. generally. Um, and John Dalman came up with the idea that the specific heat capacity of steam, as opposed to water, is notably higher in his steampunk world. Oh, that's just cheating. Changing the laws of physics is cheating, John. But it gives a consistent result, which, which is your steam engines perform just that little bit marginally better. Yeah. So it is worth building a sextuple expansion steam engine. That, 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 is, that, that, that is almost as much... It's exactly as much cheating... As what was it called? The ragged, ragged astronauts. Bob Shaw was that. Where, where, where they altered the value of pi. Now, come on. <laughs> come on. We're, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not stern realists here. But you can also do fun things with the prompt-neutron ratio. So you have uh, easier atomic reactors and harder atomic bombs. Look, if I wanted, this is what I was going to go on to say. If I want, if I wanted uh, a games which bring in magic tech then i'd stick w- i'd stick with the idea of a fate driven um girl genius style mm. campaign it, i mean in girl genius the uh, the sparks are the inheritors of the old wizards and they do do things that are impossible on a regular basis and uh, and it is it is a a rebranded war of war of the Wizard's World. Yeah, that, that's definitely going towards the fuzzy ends. Um, there, there's a book series I've read the first of, which is 
basically, you know, we, we, we are the crew of this uh, ragtag merchant ship and we, we are gradually becoming a family while doing various dubiously legal things. And fundamentally, you could file the serial numbers off and call it Firefly. Yeah. Um, the actual tech doesn't matter. The point, the point of the tech is to produce the situation where you can have a small merchant ship that can just about get by. I think the yeah I think the the point of the tech in um girl genius and you could play this um you could play this darker than uh, the comic strip actually does though it has its dark moments is the temptation of great power imbued in individuals and how society becomes fragmented and almost impossible Mm-hmm. When the, these individuals dominate uh, dominate the world as they must, when sparks exist, yep. unless you're Ingvar Trigvas and gentleman adventurer, the spark who wants to murder all the sparks, <laughs> but then he is insane. Um, all right, yeah. So, so the, on to, back yeah. to Phil and back to this book. Yeah, the the other thing, um, which is something um, Phil looks into quite a lot in in uh, the second half, is the detailed versus fuzzy social, because. It's, if you're a Victorian gentleman, and I emphasise man, life can be pretty good. If you're a Victorian gentlewoman, you are f- fairly circumscribed unless you are very rich. If you, if you are not of the gentle or noble classes, then life is even more circumscribed. And if you're a serving wench uh, behind stairs, you're screwed. Possibly, literally. Um, but and then turned off without a character. Yeah. So, so the, there are several uh, approaches that uh, Phil looks into here. Um, so the the extreme version of this is is the well, all right. You, you can basically call yourself anything you like, and it doesn't matter. You know that this is an era where, to be fair, historically, this is an era where um, the nobility cannot any longer refuse to see the merchant classes yeah. because the merchant classes have all their money and are marrying their daughters and things like that. Quite so. You, you can you can downplay that completely. You can downplay it a bit, you, or you can you can say you know, these these player characters are, are exceptional people, so this sort of thing isn't such a problem for them. Or indeed, you can say, well, yes, the world is like that, and you guys get to fight against it, and that is the theme of the campaign. Yeah, the I, I, I don't I don't think it is really viable to have a, a serious campaign rather than something very cinematic. Yeah, where these problems exist and aren't. Well, problems. Quite. The where is the fun in this is what we have to ask. Now it's pretty plain that some people are having enormous amounts of fun. I just think it's it, it's 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 important we define what sort of, you would need in this to define the sort of fun people are having. Phil is having fun here. He has created a table for uh, effects of so social shock. Uh, to be fair, this 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 is. Um... Modified from GURPS Screen Punk. All right, yes. He has indulged in a table <laughs> um, with, with, about about the various effects of uh, coming across... Uh, anarchy. So, anarchy. Socially shocking ideas. Um, with, some of which could turn your hair white if you get a bad enough dice roll. Uh, th- this, this was actually developed from the original concept, which, which is that... One one of the things that's very much in genre is is that la- ladies faint when met with when they meet something shocking. Yeah. But if you make it just ladies and just something that's shocking to them, that that's boring. So so he extended it a bit. Well, quite the... this this is all optional. You don't have to. You know, this is good. No, you don't have to use this. But but for that for that style of campaign, 
and to have to have the lantern jawed hero who has just you know, wrestled his airship through 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 a thunderstorm to to discover that he has landed somewhere where the workers are in charge and women expose their ankles oh the uh <laughs> yeah Phyllis, uh, the, there's also the fun of precise snobbery precise um social details which will kindly provides and precise costuming which is clearly something that's interesting people this is only the second game supplement i've come across which which really really cares about uh, the details of Victorian etiquette. All right, go on. What's the other? Uh, Commune Four for Castle Falkenstein. <laughs> you, you want know. you want to know how how to, how to leave a visiting card at somebody else's house? It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to know. It's it's either bred into the bone or my man does it for me. <laughs> yes. What would you do without your man? The, and that, that of course, is what one of the other options, and I think one that could be quite amusing, uh, that the PCs are the servants of one or more rich idiots who think that they are the heroes of the story. Well, quite. They, actually, I think the fun is to have a PC rich idiot and at least one servant who is there to... Um, yeah, yeah, a, a pair, a, a Jeeves and Worcester pair um, amongst your adventurers is, is certainly a, um, an allowable effect. That, that's another option, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the, the the other thing one can do, if you have a reasonably even split uh, between upper yeah. and lower classes, then, then you can just split the party and say, right, well, you know, the, the upper class types are going to this party to find something out, and the lower class types are going to mingle with the servants and find something else out. Yeah, that, work, that works too. The, uh, I don't have a lot of... I have... Hang on, I have two women currently in one of my games groups, and the other one is entirely male. I am not sure how much fun all this would be. Um, I'm not sure how much fun this would be, even with a, with a, a group with two, two, two women in it, but I might find out. Well, I'm having fun at the moment with a campaign in 1930 we've talked about before, where, yeah. where the characters are women, only one of the players is. Um, and th there is this constant friction of, yeah, we're, we're trying to investigate this dubious occult stuff, but, but they're, 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 the police are so. taking care of it. Um, no, no, we, 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 you can't, you can't come to the morgue. It would be far too shocking. They, they do have um, uh, one of those bizarre historical characters who, whom, whom one finds when one goes looking for these things. Um, yeah. uh, an ex-suffragist who, who effectively set up her own private police force. Uh, to to the point where she was going to foreign countries and, and, and telling them how wonderful the, the British police system was for, for having women in it, when this was basically her private organisation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another link in the show notes. Where are Phil and Steve Jackson games going with this? Well, we don't know yet, officially. Yeah. Um, speculation would suggest that there is obviously going to be... Um, tech yeah at some point um bearing in mind there is still not officially a GURPS vehicle design system this is not necessarily a bad thing um but look just looking at the stuff in uh steampunk um one yeah it's easy enough to say well all right we can look look at this tech level as we have it yeah and and advance it a bit and say right well in, instead of the um I don't know, 
steam lorry from the 1930s. Let's put that in 1890. Yeah. The, well, that, that is one way of avoiding the strain. But a lot of... What's that, what's that peculiar GURPS annotation for? This is this tech level, but a bit, a bit odd. TL7 plus 1. Okay. For example. Well, the, but in any steampunk world, it seems to me... Yes, you could do... I, I believe that Doc Savage can have um, stuff in the 1930s that really shouldn't happen until the 1950s and 60s. It, it works somehow. He's a, the, the trick is to keep the flavour. Um, yeah. you, know, you, you, you can have your um, 1930s um, heavy bomber slash airliner, but you shouldn't call it that. You, sh- you should um, th- th- think of it in... in as, as a direct development from, I don't know, a Maxim Flyer or something like that. Well, I, I was thinking more of Doc Savage and his people going around with walkie-talkies or even mobile phones in the 1930s. Doc knows how to do it, but nobody else can. Yeah. Um, this is one thing where the society works for you. You, you don't have the democratisation in the same way. I and mean, This is pre-Henry Ford in particular. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so it is actually much more plausible than it would be in, in the... 30s or 50s, for somebody to say, I've invented this and my, and my, my mates can use it, but no, but I'm not going to mass manufacture it. Now, what would be the point of mass manufacture of cars? Because the, the, you, you couldn't train enough of the lower orders to act as chauffeurs. I think the canonical quote is, what would be, there, is, there, are, uh, there is no need for telephones in Britain. We have plenty of errand boys. Mm-hmm. The messenger boys. Um uh, yeah, but the the thing is that uh, that I was saying that sort of thing I can I can live with. It's the fact that when you take a good look at it, uh, steampunk always goes weird. It always goes weird beyond what the actual capacity seems to be. Yeah, that that, that I think we'll we'll come back to shortly. Okay, go on. Um, the the trick I think is what is interesting about it. My usual reaction when when I meet a new role playing supplement that I like is okay. I want to run a campaign of this. Okay. Uh, my reaction to this is I want to run about six different campaigns because they all look fun and they're not really <laughs> compatible with each other. All um, right, all right. Start 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 um, listening. Start speculating. I'll well, see the, if I, the, I twitch. The one that I've done before yeah. as, as a demo game, and and I may well uh, run again at some point, is. More Edwardian than the than Victorian, so it's uh-huh. um, the the years before the Great War. But we have flying ships. Right. Does that make a difference? I mean, apart from introducing the threat of zeppelins earlier. Well, the point is, we have flying armored ships. We have actual warships. Oh boy, Caverite. Uh, it's a, a, a mistake by J.J. Thompson. So many things were. His, historically, his lab assistants banned him from actually touching the equipment. He was he was allowed to design the experiment, but not to set it up because he was so clumsy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, a, a mistake by J.J. Thompson with a crook's tube, and dear me, we seem to have invented anti-gravity. Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so at, the at Royal least... Navy in the stratosphere. At least in the in the um, demo scenario that I ran, yeah, um, th- th- this is basically uh, the, the the tail end of the great game in Afghanistan or over Afghanistan, as the case might be. Yeah, 
and uh, gun smuggling over the passes and secret weapons and things like that. And I think that has potential, so I'd like to go back and build that a bit. But it's, the problem is I'm already running two historical research intensive games, and that would be a third one. Yes. And I, yeah. I, I, I like the ones I'm running. But... I remember when I had this degree of enthusiasm and energy. You were out of it, my boy. You were out of it. <laughs> well, we're getting towards the end of World War Two. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, uh... Yeah, all right. So, and what what are some so, of the others? The the others are, are rather more inchoate. Um, and John Dolman has done the early days of flight, coming about ten years early. Yeah. Uh, or, or I would certainly be doing something with that. You have to with that. So, yeah, you're you're bringing early tech in, and that's the major effect of that is going to be. Well, dependent on what the what the the political military situation was diplomatic political military situation was you're you're bringing in a a change in factor but and putting it into a whole a slightly different set of um, of of worldly circumstances i'm not sure it makes a great difference because world war one is there on the horizon yes but if you can if if you have a, fl- a flying warship, even a fairly small one, yeah. that is much more capable than, than a contem- flight of contemporary fixed-wing bombers or, or a Zeppelin. Yeah. So the war in the air will become more important and quite possibly you won't get the meat grinder in the trenches in the same way because if one side sets up trenches and fortifications, the other side can bomb them. And what I'm thinking is if you've got that... that well, if you've got that sort of technology that early, it moves... You'll you have bombing you, cities instead. You have bombing cities instead. It moves directly from uh, slaughtering the trenches to uh, to well, not mutually assured destruction because once you once one side gets an advantage, oh, suppressing the other side's aerial capacity. Once one side side gets air, air superiority, that's a, a if they do it cleverly, that's a long a long way. That's a fast shift to a victory. Also, bearing in mind you have naval guns, not just bombs. Yeah. And a, a naval gun firing at a target on the same level can hit something 20 miles away. Yikes. There is, there's no radar. There is no radar. Um, yeah, basically. Um, so you have a, you, if you have a, an observer call, maybe, but that's, that's it. The interception would be next to impossible. Uh, the things that were historically done were both mostly sound-based. Uh, that There are fascinating pictures, if you poke around the web, of things like giant ear, ear trumpets yeah, and I've stereo seen, mounts. Yeah. Um, and certainly these things aren't quiet. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a very grim setting. It gets nasty very quickly. Yes, I suspect the default campaign of that would be that the war is ramping up or, or you know, coming up to its beginning, or getting nastier. And yeah. Can you do something to prevent it? Yeah, possibly, possibly not. The and another power. one I'd like to look at is um, using using something like historical airships for longer, which means basically stopping fixed wing aircraft working as well. Hmm. Are you fiddling with the laws of the universe again? Probably. All right. Some, something about laminar flow, I suspect. Mm. Or we might lower the speed of sound, I don't know. Ah, oh, dear. Hey, 
My games involve introducing vast mystic forces and deities. I feel so much more responsible than you are. <laughs> um, the, the the trick is, um, as far as I'm concerned, this part of the game is is about making the decision and then sticking with it, and that that they're working out that it will have the right consequences and not the wrong ones before uh, yeah, the players meet yeah. it. Yeah, I, I told you about the collapse of my my game, which was exploring the laws of magic. You're going down the same route, Roger. <laughs> I warn you in advance. Fair enough. Any more that you were, that, that you felt inspired by? Um, those are the main ideas at the moment, but there are all, all sorts of things. So the the Wild West plus Steam is actually is an actual historical genre of the era of the Wild West. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, and uh, and there is the, there are the remnants of the Wild Wild West, which is super spies with super tech. Um, yeah, I, I, I fear players would think of that. I've never actually seen either the TV series or the film. Yeah. So, maybe not so I good. Vague, I have vague memories of a few episodes of the TV series, and I saw the film to my regret. But still. Um, uh, I would all, feel... All I would feel the thing is, thing is to, to me, I, I think saying... Steampunk is effectively the same as saying late Victorian plus something, and what the something is can vary quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, y yes, we will have a certain amount of stylishness, um, but I could quite easily see a um, Marxist workers' revolt. Well, yes. Campaign, and that would certainly that could certainly be steampunk. Yeah. The now, there, there would probably be some aristocratic totty involved as well, right? <sighs> just 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 to get the corsets in, but. I, I think I think I could resist corsets. It's not one of my fetishes, but I I would be tempted more to uh, because of my known proclivities, not involving corsets, uh, to something like Castle Falkenstein. I had problems with the game system, but I liked I liked the style and some of the uh, some of the ideas. There was a GURPS conversion, wasn't there? There was. I wasn't. I I, I even ran a, a playtest and. It must be said that my one of my two female players uh, enthused about that, going the whole "let me produce immense uh, character background and narrative" uh, for for the one time we we ran it, um, and and the and the the uh, and the corsets and and the costumes and and the uh, and the the social uh, world was certainly a winner in that particular case. Um, I'm not sure if I'd go with uh, with Canon Ca Castle Falkenstein, but something like it is terribly tempting, I must say. The and there at least I know I'm buggering about with with the laws of the universe. So well, you you have magic apart. From you have well, else. you have magic apart from anything else. I would think that the way to do this would be in the classical um, early science fiction. Mode of one big change. Yes, and th that that is why I like John's idea about the specific capacity of steam. It, it is yeah. one big change that it has a bunch of knock-on effects. I well, um, but but it is essentially one impossibility that you have to grant. Yeah, because if you're having super tech and societal changes and elves and dwarves and magic. It, it gets messy. Yeah. It gets messy. Partic particularly if, if you then say, as I believe Victoriana used to, I don't know if it does in the current edition, that historical events are fundamentally all going the same way, in spite of all these changes. Well, quite. They're just yeah. bigger. 
I have a. I've just flashed the idea of a of something like it, uh, an infinite worlds campaign, but based around Victoria, a Victorian uh, society discovering it, and being absolutely horrified when it goes out into the worlds and discovers what um, other worlds and later generations have achieved. Chaos, anarchy, anarchy. Well, I, yeah, something like the reaction of the uh, of the. Fellow who got got astrology to work in Mary Gentle's, uh, we'll we'll put it into the show notes. Um, uh, who discovers that that, he, that 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 fate says that the English are going to chop the head off their king in 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 twenty years' time, and he must do something to stop this somehow because it is so terrible. It's better than red hot pokers up the backside in in some drafty castle. I always thought. Yeah, and that he really did insist that they do it to him well yeah that's our point wasn't of view wasn't going to let him off easy that's our point of view but from the point of view of no no I mean at the, point, at the point where he had been captured and they were desperately trying to work out you know, how could, can we in some way send him off to exile in such a way that he won't come back and cause trouble you know, can, can we trust anything he says and knowing that his correspondence is being intercepted he writes to the king of Spain saying put me in charge and I will convert the country to Catholicism yeah yeah, that, that, that I, was. I, I will breach your invading yes. armies. Unbelievably, yes, I know, I know, I know. But yeah, I, I can, I can see, I can see earlier ages struggling, like, like Centrum does in the standard Infinite Worlds. Too. Where's the church? Over there, empty. Anyway, be this as it may. Um, you feel inspired. Are you, are you actually going to do anything, or is your time too busy? I'm running too many games already at the moment, as yeah. usual. Uh, so I, pro- I probably won't do anything with this in the short term. Um, see, see, see what ends first and uh, what I feel like running at that point. There are def- definitely ideas to, ideas to be had here. Well, we'll, we, will ha- we will have to see. I must say, uh, maybe a GURPS one-off, um, perhaps something uh, Victorian or even Regency. Um, hmm. I need to come up with an, another uh, one-shot goats for next year's UK Games Expo. Oh, I I, so. I need to get get something together for um, HandyCon um, in uh, in in January, and it wouldn't be too bad if I play tested it at uh, StabCon first. <laughs> so we will see. Onwards. Now, one of the things that came up uh, discussing steampunk is an awful lot of steampunk settings seem to add, want to add magic, or something that works like magic. Mm. And a lot of other settings do this too. So wh- why is there this tendency to add magic to stuff? Well, part of it is, you know, tradition. This is fantasy role-playing games, isn't it? Isn't it? Some people have never heard of gangbusters or uh, or aftermath. Yeah, the the first example of this that I came across, at least, um, is, is Boot Hill. There was magic in Boot Hill. No, there wasn't. That's the point. This is the tier, tier, third role playing game TSR published okay. after D and D and Empire of the Battle Thrones. It came out in nineteen seventy five. God, that was early on. Yes. And like many games of, of that sort of era, it was basically a combat system with incidental role-playing. Yeah. That, that is not exceptional in itself. 
The problem was, and I think the reason it was never successful, well, apart from Westerns kind of going out of style anyway, but you know, spaghetti Westerns were still making money for yeah. a few years after that. Um, it was essentially realistic in, in focus. You, you didn't get more hit points as, as you got to higher level. You, I, as far as I remember, you didn't go up levels at all. Um, fundamentally, you, you, you're just as likely to die in your hundredth gunfight as in your first. Yeah. And from I, I've never actually played it uh, myself. From what I hear from people who played it at the time, it was basically you don't really get attached to your character because there are if, he doesn't die, there, if he doesn't die today, he'll probably die tomorrow. Why? And that, that does suggest that one, one reason one might uh, see this is, well, guns hurt. Hmm. And magic is a way to introduce healing or at least not dying or not being hit or in some other way you can have a gunfight and survive it you can be cinematic about it without having to say explicitly this is a cinematic game where you know you're going to get winged and the other guy falls over into the water trough and drowns uh, yeah the magic healing is the major thing but realism was a thing then still is to a, to a degree, and it's unsatisfactory to say yes, my gunfighter survived, um, and six months later he will be almost as good as new, if the surgeon doesn't make a mistake and he doesn't get gangrene and, and the surgeon is relatively sober today. And... Yeah, quite. Um, he'll probably limp for the rest of his life, but um, we don't have the stats for working that uh, for depicting that in game. So let's just. Have it as a bit of flavour, but even without lasting injuries, um, you, you probably wouldn't survive a gunfight a lot of the time anyway, just because you got immediately shot and killed. Um, and it, it took you know another twenty years before Deadlands came out. Yeah, uh, and had, had a, a fully fantastic Wild West. Uh, there have been some other Wild West related games in between. There was certainly a GURPS Old West, mm. um, but. They never really crossed my radar. I, th I think maybe because I'm playing in the UK and we don't have the, the same you know, cowboy lurking around at the back of the culture thing that some parts of the States do. It has been argued that D&D &D is, is fantasy Wild West, and we've argued it on here. Yeah, but you, you don't get a lot of the tropes. I mean, yeah, yes, you get, the, you get the orcs stealing livestock or whatever. You get the scarred stranger wandering into town. Um, well, actually, it's usually a bunch of strangers, and they are the PCs. Yeah, and what you 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 don't get the struggle of good against good that the that the better westerns aspire to. Hmm, not in D and D, you don't. Well, quite. But black hats and white hats are, are are and were and are a thing. Yeah. So let's see. Well, the, there was Top Secret. Yeah, it came out in nineteen eighty. And, okay, so th that is after Moonraker had come out, the film, but only just. Yeah. Um, and th that that was cinematic contemporary espionage, basically, but but it, it tried to be more or less plausible-ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, you still had evil masterminds and doomsday devices and things. Um, and then seven years later, they came up with Top Secret SI, which was a complete new system, which was very cinematic, very comic book over the top. Yeah, but cinematic isn't magical. 
Um, yeah, that, that's as close as I can find to something that really just hasn't grown magic, but it grew something else instead. This is, this is what I'm getting at. Okay, I, 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 you, you, you mentioned Gangbusters. Yeah. Gangbusters came out the year after Call of Cthulhu. Hmm. Now, whether this was TSR saying, hey, look, those other guys have got a 1920s game, we, could, we should have one of those too. Very likely. Um, or you know, was, was it part of a, a, a wave of generally games that were trying to be realistic? Because Recon, Vietnam War role-playing came out about the same time. Yeah, all the... All the games you're talking about as being realistic, and Twilight 2000 is 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 a big example of this. And there were lots of games where the guns was the with a point. Um, Do guns count as superpowers? No, because you can uh, they can rust and you can lose them. No, I, I mean from the point of view of giving the player a fantasy that they don't have in real life. Lots of these games were sold in America, I must point out. Well, in most states, machine guns are non-trivial to get access to. All right, yeah. But I, I, I think I, the key thing is none of these games was a great success. True. The, even today, I think um, somebody in a distance with a sniper rifle is a fairly powerful, um, powerful um, power fantasy. Which is one of the reasons I always try to ensure that the uh, that the uh, that the thug um, in my uh, Dracula dossier game is attacked at close range. <laughs> she appreciates it. She really does. Uh, a, a recent comment on for, to somebody who who was trying to set up a um, science fiction game where, where melee fighting was important. Yeah. Fundamentally, in GURPS, you don't really want to go for protracted gunfights. You, you want to go for the sort of fight. This involves one side saying, hey, did you hear something? Oh, mm. this is fairly good advice for real life as well. Um, the thing is, the more realistic you get, and g- guns doing enough damage to kill people is one of those realistic yeah. steps, um, the, the harder it is to keep player characters alive through even relatively minor encounters. This, this is the other thing. You, you, you're D&D. You, you can beat up small monsters and big monsters can beat you up. Yeah, but but in a, in a western, you you can be walking down the street and and an outraged bank clerk with a shotgun can end your career. Yeah, the, all right. The, the the thing I'm going to say next is no, no, no. This is I don't think this is the driver. Um, the I will I will point you, sir, to Call of Cthulhu. Now, Call of Cthulhu has has magic. It has magic and psychic powers and 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 world-threatening um, alien gods, but it doesn't have healing. Let's be perfectly frank about this. The the the, the whole the it has it has it has gangsters and shotguns and and, and large amounts of obscene amounts of dynamite, oh, but <laughs> but but the fun in it does not involve you being able to get up afterwards. Admittedly, it's more likely that you're going to end up gibbering the insane than dead. But but the the, the it's gibbering not... the insane with your dynamite waistcoat running down the throat of the monster—that's the way to go in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> if you got style points, then you will get style points for that in that game. But um, I I think the driver is that magic is cool. Look at Psionics in Traveller. Now Traveller mm. is a fairly um, 
detail is a fairly gun-obsessed, military-obsessed sort of game. Every yeah. character... Half half of them, at least, are ex-military, yeah. Yeah. Um, They've all seen... Uh, uh, only the... Uh, uh, only the merchants and the mysterious other have not so uh, <laughs> not a thief, honest, honest, not a thief. Gov, it, it, it's more complicated nowadays and better. Let me say, mongoose traveller is, is oh, a yes. better yeah. in, uh, incarnation of, of of what they were trying to do then. But still, you have psionics. Is it just there because it it's part of the tropes of science fiction? I think so. Um, certainly, by the time they started introducing the Imperium as a setting, yeah, it was pretty thoroughly downplayed. I mean, it was it was there, but by the time you finished character generation, you're probably too old to to do more than learn to flip a switch, even if you do randomly get telekinesis. Yeah, they did that. They're, well, well, Traveller has a, a record of retro tech or safe tech or whatever. Of not following the possibilities of science fiction. Well, which it's, is it's very explicitly inspired by Golden Age science fiction. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so thirties to fifties ish. Well, no, I think it's fairly clearly inspired and stuck in seventies science fiction. Mm, it, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like Jerry Pornell, um, um, and <sighs> military SF of that period. It feels it feels like like uh, a, a universe where slide rules are still a thing. I was taught how to use a slide rule, and they immediately invented the pocket calculator. That's what I did to civilization. Slide rules are great. Never understood the pointless little things. <laughs> anyway, the, this is our fundamental disagreement <laughs> as GMs, I suspect. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what was I going to say? The the thing is, all right, we're sort of dancing around the edge of it. What point right. does introducing magic get gratuitous? All right, Cyberpunk original edition came out in 1988. Yeah, Shadowrun came out in 1989. All right, yes, Shadowrun, Jacques Shadowrun. <laughs> what was the not only magic? It wasn't one change. It wasn't two changes. It was the fact that there were people turning into orcs and elves. This was all and theoretically with a common source, but it was a pretty strange common source. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you had uh, elves and dwarves and things. You had dragons. You had magical monsters. Yeah, you had... I could have as as well dragons. as your terribly chromed street samurai and whatever. Well, the, th- the thing was, I could have lived with the return of magic... If the magic wasn't so obviously Tolkien, why have you got orcs? Why are they necessary in the slightest? That elves, for that matter, with pointy ears and why and a it, superior attitude and, and a superior attitude and and I'm going to live forever. You do they live forever in Shadowrun? I can't remember. Not if you shoot them enough. <laughs> the that I I I felt Shadowrun was the uh was the 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 prime offender here. And and I never felt it, it the things didn't slot together. I could have taken in a future tech world magic returns. That's a singular interesting premise. But mm. in a future tech world JRR turned out to have been right all the time. I couldn't live with well, I know they, they, they later thing. extended this further with Earth Dawn, which mm. was the previous cycle of magic on its way down. I I actually like the idea of Earth Dawn, but I never played any. 
Yeah, the, the system was baroque. The ideas were nice. An awful lot of the adventures turned out to be you've got to go down this hole in the ground and kill things and take their stuff. Uh, yeah, they knew what they, the audience they were they were selling to. Yeah. But, yeah, that... Now, but, yes, I, I think Shadowrunner, even, even at the time, had a feeling of, OK, they're throwing in everything. OK, yeah. except, except starships. <laughs> yeah, the, you, once you've got dragons, you don't want to risk starships. But... That, take a, that's 1989, and then in 1989-90 you get Torg coming out, which is, it's trying to be everything, a generic... Everything, everything, and the kitchen sink. Yeah, it's trying to be a generic system, but it's doing it by saying, here are all these different places, all these different things, cool powers, etc. Yeah, and we, look, we've ranted about Torg before. <laughs> and the, the problem is you can't make... If you don't have a core model of the world... You can't make exception-based rule mechanics work. And it never did. Nothing was consistent. Well, the, the core rule is cool stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's generally called uh, called gaming by the GM's whim. And, <laughs> and, and though I like it, I'm a GM, and my players tend to protest when I, I, I change things uh, in an instant, <laughs> which they had been assuming. Uh, yeah, all right. So, talk, talk, what's talk of the high point? Uh, in terms of throwing everything in, yeah. You, you mentioned Twilight 2000, which is primarily, I, I would say... Gr- um, grittiness of guns. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, 1990, you got Merc 2000, which was that the, the end of the World War didn't happen. So basically, you're mercenaries in brushfire wars around the world. Uh, that, that died without my paying any attention to it. Yeah, it, it, it had some interesting books of equipment. Um, the vehicles actually more than the guns, but um, essentially you could role play it, I suppose. But essentially, it, it's it's a uh, war game. Yeah, the uh, yeah, but this is uh, off the topic, which is yeah. uh, chips with We I mentioned earlier Castle Falkenstein, and I love it, and and it's a wonderful game from the point of uh, appearance, design, giving the players. An emotional feel for the setting and and for the style of the setting, it's got to be admitted it's a bit of a hodgepodge. It's got steam tech and reemergent, well, no, not reemergent, parallel world with elves and dwarves, uh, dwarves with duck feet, hmm. and uh, and dragons. Dragons you can talk to because they they, they can sort of shape shift, hmm. and um, magic and ancient conspiracies. And it's it. I don't know why I, I. It hangs together better than other things do. Perhaps because of the parallel worlds thing, and perhaps not. Yeah, I've never actually played it. So I, I would like to sometime. Well, uh, just read it sometime. Have you read it? You uh, no. All right, you should read it. Skimmed, but it's it's it it's fun. There there are obvious flaws with the with the system, but the the style of it carries it through and you can I, do I don't really care about systems that much so well I do because uh, because my, I have these players looking at me and saying slap slam the great big GURPS stamp into it and all will be well <laughs> well speaking of GURPS and just to give an example of a one change thing I should mention Technomancer now that is it done mm. right I think it's a parallel world yes it has history like ours up to 1945, and then magic comes back. Yeah, very heavily influenced, of course, by Paul Anderson. Yeah. 
and it's it uses the GURPS it, because it was a, a, a gaming product and because it had a deadline uh, and because it was originally just a one-off adventure it uses the standard GURPS magic and tries mm. to see how it works in a technological universe and that works fairly well I think yeah, there there is a strand of GURPS gamers who have picked this up and held onto it grimly. And, and they want to say, you know, if I have a magician who can cast this spell um, and it costs him this much fatigue and he recovers fatigue that fast so he can cast it that many times a day, assuming he doesn't fumble, and, and what what is the money he can produce by, you know, magically turning a, a generator or something like that. Yeah, quite. Well, they, they, they... Which, which I don't, even I don't like to do, but I'm glad these people exist because it means there is an overall consistency. Yeah, with the stuff I do care about, it's more interesting as a, a as as an exercise in economics than than in accountancy. What will your wizard get hired to do? Mm. Is he going to be? You see, if I want, if I have wizards in the world, I want them to be exotic consulting um, uh, professionals, no, um, not the guy who keeps the power station running by animating new zombies. Correct, um, or, or and not the guy who spend, spends uh, eight, eight hours solid every day at a workbench, casting the same segment of one enchantment over and over and over again. And occasionally hitting the big purple button because he's accidentally summoned a demon. Yup. <laughs> and complaining to his union about the about the lack of safety regulations. Mm. It's not fun. It's not fun. I want I want I do want magic in a setting, but I want that setting to be consistent with the magic and to not degrade the magician. All right, if I have a power fantasy about you know being able to manipulate the uh, basic structure of the universe to, to create wonderful and exotic things, and I'm not confirming or denying that I do, <laughs> then I want that to be a privileged position, a position of at least some respect. The 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 master of the Thaumaturgy's Guild may give give me stick about about my lack of of training an apprentice my disrespect and uh, and my general slovenliness, but I am a, a respected master magician and, uh, and I can do things. Ours, my boy, is a high and lonely destiny. <laughs> you bastard, you just punctured, you swine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's a rotten thing to do to a chap. But, 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 is it, but it is that rather than, as you say, the guy at the workbench all day. Well, quite. And particularly if you, if you want to be adventuring and doing fun stuff. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a, a, a there's a place for uh, for uh, being lower middle class, grim and gritty, and 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 having to pester people to pay up. I think. Well, one one of the things I I tend to like is, in many situations, the player characters will be the only people with magic. Um, they may well be dealing with people who know that it exists, but it's not a case of every second person you meet is a magician. I don't, well, I think they may be the only people with magic there. They may be the only people with magic in the remote uh, on a remote island um, in Scotland. But I, I'd like there to be back. I like there to be context to the existence. Yeah, of magic. but, but you, you don't have the situation where where somebody says, I'm, "I'm a magician," and say, "Oh yeah, well, join the queue. There are twenty others waiting for this job." On the other hand, if you do, you get something like. Uh, What's her name? Susan Cooper's um, 
the Dark is Rising sequence, where there are only a handful of magicians in the world, and they're a terribly exclusive bunch, and Merlin is their chief, and it's all very hidden and secret. There is there is a happy medium, I think, between the long queue of magicians at the Unemployment Bureau and uh, and the exclusive hidden brotherhood. Yeah, and it, it should be something that people are, I, I think, generally are. They're aware that it's out there. They're aware they're aware that there are things you can do to protect yourself against it. It's it's not a, a free pass to do whatever you like. But it's also just a bit a bit strange, a bit odd, a bit. Oh, that's not not quite what we expect out of life. It's special. Yeah, I'm not sure there is. I'm not sure the real world has a special profession like you, that. You're not. You're not a computerist. Oh, I, I I know enough about computers not to have any respect for you, you swine. I I can put my own new video card in. I you you just watch me. I I if it blows up, I'll come to you, Roger. But, but otherwise. <laughs> Oh, you've been opening this, haven't you? Um, one, one thing I think is worth mentioning, uh, just as a special case of this, um, Savage Worlds. Okay. An awful lot of the Savage Worlds settings are, here is the setting, but there's a twist to it. Such as? Uh, here is the superhero setting, but you're playing the villains. Yeah. Uh, here, here is a pirate setting, uh, but you're in the sky. Hmm. And and I think this is a, a similar tendency. I, I, I'm looking at this not so much as magic specifically, as there is, there is this tendency to say, okay, it's this historical, but... There is a lot of that. There is... The thing is, Purely it historical works. games have never been hugely popular. Well, there are a lot of historical games with uh, with uh, wainscot magic yep. in. Um, there's... Uh, uh, there's a Three Musketeers one. There are fantasy parallel worlds with with it, where with it, lots of lots, several pirates, uh, uh, pa- uh, uh, parallel fantasy worlds. And yeah. Gertz has a whole swathe of hidden magic historical settings, which are some of which are quite good. Hmm. Um, I don't really count those as magifying a setting. The magic is central to it, but it doesn't affect the outer world. There is this barrier, this... and uh, But magifying a setting openly, I think, is what we're talking about here. Mm. And it has very peculiar effects. I, I don't know why people do it, especially to the extent of throwing it out to the throw-in-the-kitchen-sink extent that they do. One possibly... Um unworthy thought is that if you say it's an alternate history it's got magic in it nobody can say you did your research wrong i i i could not possibly comment you might very well think so but yeah um having having emerged from a recent experience of uh, bullshitting my way through a an invented magic system i i could not possibly possibly comment Certainly, one of the things I like about bringing this sort of thing into the open, as I've now done a couple of times, or it's in progress in one case, is that one gets to look at all, all those historical people one has been looking at and thinking, OK, now how are they going to react to this? How's this guy going to react to this? Hmm. If we're going to have a Ministry of Psionics, who is going to be in charge of it out of the actual people in government in 1967? Yeah, yeah you like the moment of change. 
you don't like to come in after the change has happened. Do you like the... Well, I, I, I like working through that. Yeah. Rather than simply saying this is how it is. Yeah. But a world, most parallel worlds, they're looking for a, a point of stability, a point at which the, the, the game designers can explain the world and sell it to uh, to people. And, and write a bunch of supplements that don't obsolete each other. Quite. Yeah. The changing point is always going to uh, is always going to do that any more examples we haven't touched on <sighs> well yeah as you say an awful awful lot of worlds where you've got some magic off to the side of things that doesn't really seem to be affecting things but who knows that does seem to be a bit of a cop-out yeah I, I, you know, just saying there's magic but it doesn't change anything <sighs> yeah i suppose but what's the point right I, and especially if you put magic into the hands of players... They're going to change stuff. Yeah, quite. Ask who, who is this Bismarck guy, anyway? Ask Magicka expects me to believe in a centuries-long um, conspiracy of various types of basically unstable uh, magical, magical operators... Who, uh, some, some of whom do have the power to remake the world. Yeah, and who haven't, you know been that noticed by anybody and well, I find that strains my, my credulity a little yes yes I'll remake the world later I have to finish this paper first yes yes, yes, yes. put down that that, that flask of alcohest my boy it's going to Odia <laughs> let's, let's pass on of nostalgia recently it's um, one of the weaknesses of my advancing old age uh, partly brought on by the uh, uh, receiving a copy thank you very much Dirk the Dice mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, of the uh, Grognar Files uh, annual fanzine in initial issue which go, uh, and, uh, because as you all know if you listen to them they do go on about back in the day and Having a moment of weakness when I was faced with uh, running our first big battle in the Pendragon campaign using all the goddamn bells and whistles that Greg has put into the <laughs> second edition of the book of, uh, book of Battles, which I avoided the responsibility for by appointing somebody else as Battle GM. <laughs> anyway, I asked my players, which is the point of this rant, um, is there anything that I have done in the past any element of game um, that they would like to see more of. I normally say, what would you like to see ahead? Anticipating the future, but as I say, I'm getting to be um, nostalgic. And one of them said to me, well, what I li- one of the campaigns I liked was the Amnesiacs game because it was epic. It had a feeling of great responsibility and great effect on the player characters and a feeling of we might not quite make it. Which you quickly sum up the game for us? Well, it started um, with a standard GM's cheat. The players were amnesiacs. They woke up 
um, mysteriously in an underground cavern and couldn't remember who they were. I'd used a set of um, fantasy art cards, um, which I'd collected for Everway. So here, choose one of these character, one of these depictions of a character, and that mm -hmm. will be your, your 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 character in the game. And I built up the world around that, and gradually, using a found map, uh, um, the map out of. Um, what was that called? Chaosium's first Crossworlds publication. The yeah, yeah. Well, we'll link to it in the notes. Using the map out out of there as the 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 basic map of the continent they'd found themselves on, they went out and discovered the world, and eventually discovered that they were the components of. Um, they were people who had become the components of a dragon. And if they fused together, they became the silver dragon of... I can't remember quite what the silver dragon was the dragon of. And were fighting another dragon, who were also a group of adventurers, um, to uh, to decide who got to um, be the dragon that ascended to become part of the new god that was coming. It was a big-scale thing. They had a lot. It had a lot of the Tolkien-esque um, shadow of the past in it. They were discovering what the history of the world was and how it came to be. They were also, because they were amnesiacs, discovering the rules of the world. And I could make things up as I went along and fit them in. And it ended with an epic battle. It ended, I seem to recall, which was with what was virtually an act of rape, where the two dragons sired another dragon, which was the one fated to become the uh, uh, the uh, the new dragon, um, the, the dragon who is part of the Ascended God. And it had scope and scale, and it was big. And yet, as my player said to me, um, and yet they felt they could fail. They could so easily have done, have done so. They, they, everything was, was, was uh, was dependent upon uh, upon the last resolution, discovering what was going on, coming to the right to the right point, and I asked myself, what are the elements of that epicness, of that feel of being at the core? What is the range of power that you should give players if that's going to be your aim? Yeah. Ken Heiss, I know, talks about scope and scale as, as yeah. different things. I've never quite managed to make that distinction to, to my own satisfaction. But I, I think you you have to have um, the, the, the effects that the player characters are influencing yeah. are things that could change the world. Yes. And they, they, may be, they may be fighting to stop the world being changed, but that's the sort of stakes that are in play. Yeah, I, they were... They were up there, they were involved with, they were part of one godlike being. And their, their, their limited powers had an effect on the greater scale, scale of things because they could be at a pivotal moment. And yet I didn't lose the feeling of the wandering adventurer, the person who doesn't really know what's going on, the person who has to deal with gritty and unpleasant things. Yeah, it, it is. It is difficult to have 
what one call it, changes of situation. You know, to, to, today you're uh, camp, camping out in the rain and on, on your way to bash something for its treasure. Um, ne- next week you're leading an army. The week after that you're in the rain again. Yeah. The, well, the, if you look so, at, so if you want leading an army, it usually has to be pretty much in, the, in there implicitly to start with. M- much more probably it's going to be a game about politics and things rather than... I don't know. Look, I, I, look, let, let us go back to uh, The Lord of the Rings. The Hobbits, the Hobbits start out as fairly... Uh, as, as, as well, at least Merry and Pippin do. Yeah. Uh, but they become they become notables. They become part of the world. They're 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 not perhaps uh, leading armies, but they're they're heroes fight, fighting in armies and doing notable deeds right right yeah, to the end. Particularly if, if in in that sort of fantasy, it's, it's much, I think it's probably better to say, yeah, you 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 are the guy who has the the, the special ability. Not the general. To yeah. Split those roles off. Well, the r- rather than taking the Greek mythic model way, where your your classic you know, Trojan War hero is leading an army. Yeah, that's as well as yeah being personally powerful. Well, I get the feeling you do see a dichotomy in the in the cl- classic. There are the kings and the princes, and there's also pillocks like Achilles, mm-hmm. who can cause disaster just by being on the, on the battlefield or not. <laughs> Um, that sort of petulant personal power. It's, it's a worryingly good match for some PCs. And some players, it must be said. The, it, it's something you want to, to discourage. Something I've been playing with. So, this sense of epic is something I would like to get back to in future, yeah. in future games. Um, and one of the things I've been thinking about I may have mentioned this in the podcast earlier. My players, oh, listen if you want to. Um, <laughs> there is is the idea of the mundane children in a fantasy world being portal fantasy, portal fantasy, finding themselves the ones who trigger the uh, the, the the great change of becoming. The powers in the land, the kings and queens in Narnia. It might be interesting to do something like that, and I've got a vague title which goes: Seven Children and Them. Mm-hmm. Them being the gods, or using something like the uh, the, the the idea of uh, of the uh, of the of the the gods and distinguished persons in thirty. You, used in 13th age, that they get to be the ones who bring that sort of magic back into a world. But what I have to do, what I have to do in my own head, first of all, is set up, is set up the trouble that the, the world is in when they get, when they get there. Yeah. The witch, Jardis, control, controlling Narnia equivalent. What has happened before and what is it they're trying to correct? Are they trying to bring something new? I'd like them to be able to make something new into the world. Or are they bringing back Aslan, something old? One of the tricks there is to set up a problem such that A, the good guys in the world can't deal with it, and B, these intruders can, without it becoming patronising. 
without it becoming only the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve can do this sort now, of when, stuff. When, when you're invoking magic, this becomes easier because you can say that there is... Oh, for, for example, you, you might well start with um, the, the um, evil totalitarian ruler has, yeah. put, has set things up such that nobody can act against their interests of the people who live in the world. Oh, yeah, with Zumwalt. Um, the the mm. the the wizard the wizardry compiled or whatever it's called. I have problems with those books, but yes. Well, the, the core idea that he is free to act because nobody knows his name is yeah, or or because they are, they are that the the, the, um, the spell was cast on all people of this world. Yeah, that works. The 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 children. I don't know why it has to be children, except that it's the classic trope. And I want, I want there to be a certain amount of innocence and primalness in the setting. Player the, characters the who thing come, that, sorry, go sorry, player characters who come into it with too much baggage of their own. I don't want bloody Thomas Covenant. I really don't. <laughs> the thing that would be hanging over my head uh, if I were playing in, playing a game like this mm. uh, is that you generally in these books have some sort of return to what we laughingly call the real world. Yeah. And there are fundamentally two ways of handling this. And the the, the way the children portal fantasy almost always does it is they, they may they will retain memories but they are basically the children they were before. Yeah. And I'm wondering what one might do about a more Lord of the Rings style, think scouring of the Shire. Yeah, we're coming back to where we were, but we are now much more powerful people. Yeah. And we just, more to the point, and this is the thing that even Narnia doesn't really touch on, we think differently. I mean, we have yeah. been literal kings and queens for years. We have those accumulated memories. Going going back to being a 12-year-old child is going to be essentially very dull. The Yeah, the I was, I was sparked into this by reading uh, uh, Seven Wonders' idea of... Uh, a, a game based around uh, a psychiatrist trying to deal with the effects of somebody who has lived in a, a fantasy world for part of their childhood. I don't want it that grim. Uh, no. Yeah, I've, I've seen people like Neil Gaiman um, do, write things that are based on we came back to the fantasy world and now our lives are crap, and I don't think it has to be that either. I was thinking. I was thinking of avoiding the the entire we grow, grew up over there and now we're back thing. But by making it uh, the the a phased thing, so that they 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 stay for a, a while, but not enough to age, and then they come back and the time has passed. Mm. I'm not sure which elements of this I want to include. It the 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 epic thing. The outsiders coming in and resolving the problem. One of the things I've thought thought of um, is that uh, my players accuse me of, and it's true because it's good cheap shot, and I I use it overuse it. Is I'm obsessed with the endings of things, with doom and Armageddon and resolving the great climaxes of the world. One of the well, things I think this, it's fair to say that that. It is more satisfying to resolve something that, than simply to carry on playing until the game ends for some other reason. Well, yeah, but well, the thing is, um, I was reading, I read Alarms and Excursions, and one of the contributors, Lisa Pedal. Hello, Lisa, if you're listening. 
um, said something which struck me very much. She said that in one of the games she was involved in, the player characters were involved in the setting up of stars. I thought, oh, there's a whole range here <laughs> of things. Maybe not having the player characters be creator gods, but being the people who set up a new world, the people who spark it into 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 existence and then have to come back and fix it when it goes wrong later. Mm. I think... But I don't, I don't know... I think that would be most satisfying if, if you could get your players in character to write down a bunch of general principles of the world they're setting up and then abuse them. <sighs> yeah, I have such a gloomy view of human nature, and so do I. <laughs> but, well, yeah, we, we need something to go wrong that they're fixing, so... Yeah. Well, quite. The... I'm not sure. This is all very vague. I, 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 but I want that sense of, of scale, of epic importance, and I'm not quite sure how to compromise. I don't. I don't want to lose the sense of potential failure of responsibility because that seems to me to be part of it as well. The, mm. the, the pitching. The scope of the game, if I'm using Ken Heights terms accurately, is enormous. The scale of the player character's involvement involves is a very nice judgment. You're still doing heroic things, but you are a human being doing heroic things, not not. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and let's be frank: human beings are more interesting than prototypes or gods. Human beings with the power of gods tend to be a little appalling. Well, they they look a lot like the classical Greek deities. Yeah. Um, and I don't know quite what the role of the of the of the children, the visitors, let us say, from our world is going to be. I want them to be children because I want the characters to be straightforward and simple and not corrupt. I have but known also, some corrupt children, yes, but also um, assuming they're sort of vaguely twentieth century or later. Yeah. They're going to know a bunch of things that are completely alien to this world. Now, that, that's not something you can base the entire campaign on, because they can yeah. share their knowledge and it can spread. But, you know, so, so, say they come from the 1960s, say. Yeah. They, e even as fairly young children, they will have picked up a whole bunch of ideas about um, how, how proper governance works. Yeah. That would be utterly alien to somebody from the 12th century. It's true. Uh, they might go better with with um, fairly total democracy um, uh, Ice Age tribes, but maybe, maybe not. It's very hard. I This is a big idea that's churning in my head, and I've not yet found the key that turns it, mm. I think. Yeah, I, I, I try not to force that sort of thing. It works better if it has the chance to develop on its own. Yeah, the, there are a number of things I could bring to the project, a number of individual strands that I could weave in, but I, I, I don't yet know where this is going. I think the enjoyable... Well, it might be better not planning it too far in advance. The enjoyable part about 
about the the game I was talking about was was called The Names That Live, a title that I stole from Roger Zelazny, Um, was that I didn't know in advance much more than the appearance of the characters, the physical outline of the continent, and the next thing I was going to throw at them. Yeah, I... All right, I can improvise. I just get really edgy when I contemplate going into a session expecting to improvise. Well, yeah, I know. I I always the things I had done already firmed up the things that were coming in ahead. My uh, the a game called The Outcasts, which I played with Gertz, which was the player characters start as um, the out uh, uh, your mountain village is short of food this year. You are the adults coming to maturity that we don't want to keep. Here's a spear. Here's some uh, 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 a leather jacket and some clothes um, and some food. Goodbye forever. If you bring back a buffalo, we let you back in. Or... Nah, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they were tru- they, they were trouble. Each and every one of them was designed to be, you know, trouble. And they, then they went out and discovered the world mm-hmm. and changed it. Of course. Ended up with flying magical airships. It was great fun. <laughs> and then restoring the Empress. All right. It's, it's a thing I've said before that the, the a connection I find it difficult to make is from the small stuff the PCs do to the yeah. big things of the world. Um, and I think it may well be an answer to that to, tr- to try to build it in. Yeah. The trouble is, with the way I'm thinking about it at the moment, with with the children coming together and finding something in the in the universe there, the new universe they've arrived in, which they can help, which they can awaken, which they can guide. I have to know that much about how the universe works in yeah. advance. I have to know what they find. It does occur to me that as long as they have some sort of moral agency to go with whatever power they've picked up... Mm then everybody will want to get them on their side, which is another thing you don't you don't normally see in these things. It's usually pretty clear good guys and bad guys. But it would be nice to say, okay, here are a bunch of different factions. Um, That's yeah, a good point, actually. Yeah, all right, some some of them are jackbooted thugs, but most of them aren't. Yeah. The... They'd all like to be in charge when they overthrow the evil overlord. Ally finding. That's a good point, actually. Ally finding. The... Well, they're going to be sought after, that's the thing. They're going to be wooed. What's moral agency by you? They define your so, so they, they need to be able to make their own decisions about how they deploy the power. They can't just You can't just say, this is a power which makes nice things happen. Yeah, all right, yeah. No, 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 magical, no magical deer or whatever it is in Blue Rose. No. Yeah. Sadly, I feel I probably have to... I, I have to avoid Aslan. There cannot be a one god in a setup like this. Not if the players are to have agency at all, an ability to to make the world something I hadn't anticipated. Yeah. Otherwise, their choice is: do, do, do you do you put this guy in charge or not? Effectively. Well, the the, the choice is to do right, and doing and doing right will be fairly clear. Um, and yeah, one of them might choose to play Edmund, but. I don't know. It would be much, frankly, more interesting to have somebody in there who said, yes, of course we have to sacrifice this living god. You would really hate to see what happens if we don't. You see that sea over there? That used to be land, that did. 
or words to that effect. You know, so people who aren't just evil, they've got reasons for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, always more interesting. In that case, if we, we are designing a cyclical universe, the evil overlord, the tyrant, is the result of somebody achieving supreme power, one godhood, at the end of the last cycle. Mm -hmm. Somebody who meant well. Somebody who centralised all power, magical and otherwise, to themselves. Mm -hmm. And the universe is calling for extraordinary aid to start the cycle again. And they might well be not so terrible for the average person in the world, but if the cycle isn't allowed to end on cue... Well, things are dying. Things are... There is some side effect which the, which the tyrant will not, cannot see. And things are, things are winding down because there is too much control, yeah. too much unity of thought. And mm -hmm. things things are dying. Something needs to be shattered, and made in, uh, one needs to be made into many. Hmm. I must listen to this when I get home and <laughs> uh, make notes on the wise things I am saying. All right. Thank you, Roger, for your thoughts on this, and um, let us pass on. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice with me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell-West. Please send us your ideas for which settings you'd like to infuse with magic or... Strange and wondrous grease-stained machines. Yes, those two. All right. Um, and, uh, and or um, your idea of what Epic is, um, either via leaving a message at the website or... Email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And if you're the people who are sending me spam via that, be aware that I'm sending a great and terrible curse upon you. We will be um, at uh, Dragon Meet uh, in the start of uh, December. I will be running a GURPS demonstration scenario. I'll be lolling around trying to amuse myself. Um, and uh, we hope you have a Merry Christmas, and we will uh, see you at then, slightly before the New Year. <laughs>